Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Typically, I'd be drinking coffee right now, but today I'm drinking tea. <laughs> What's up? And, and, and I was taxed out the yin-yang for it, too. What's up? This is Marque Saves the Republic, and this is a very special edition of Marque Show Saves the Republic because, hey, it's Saturday. And I know what you're thinking. Why is Marque doing a podcast on Saturday? Well, I'll tell you, because today is the 250th anniversary of one of my favorite events in American history. I, of course, am talking about the Sons of Liberty going down to Griffin's Wharf and tossing 342 caskets of tea into Boston Harbor, thus igniting the anger of the colonies and the anger of the British crown and starting the American Revolution, which led to the creation of this great republic, which we are all still trying 250 years later to save. <laughs> so really, if it weren't for the Boston Tea Party 250 years later, there wouldn't be a republic which needs saving and this podcast wouldn't exist. So without the Boston Tea Party and the Sons of Liberty, Mark K. Saves the Republic would just be silence, which for a lot of people would be preferable, but not you, not you and not me. And, uh, and that's why we're celebrating today. So look, it's December the 16th. And back in December 16th, or back on December 16th, 1773, the Sons of Liberty uh, met at Griffin's Wharf and they went onto the ship because they were so angry. They were so mad. They were so ticked off at the king and parliament and all of the taxes that were that were being levied against uh, colonial tea makers and distributors. And and it was, you know, a lot of people are th th there's so much going on in this small period of time in the colonies that a lot of people get confused. So what I want to do today is kind of unravel the story for you, tell you the highlights, the lowlights, what happened, what, you know, what, what people think happened, what, what didn't actually happen and really explain to you, you know, what people, what people were doing, the, the, the real risks involved and the real anger that was permeating in the colonies and how this was probably one of the most crucial events in the history of the United States of America and thus the world since the United States of America is king of the world to quote Leonardo DiCaprio from Titanic. <laughs> if the United States of America were a movie character, it would be Leonardo DiCaprio on the Titanic yelling, I'm the king of the world. Just hopefully it won't hit an iceberg. Although with Joe Biden helming the ship, we probably, I think we already did. And we're just now slowly sinking. Anyway, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in just a minute. So back 250 years ago, which is a very long time ago, 250 years uh, ago on 19 in uh, 1773 on December the 16th, it, the, the anger, um, in the sons of Liberty, which just so you, the sons of Liberty, it sounds like a great organization. And I definitely would have loved to have been a part of it. Um, and you know, because it was led by Sam Adams, the beer maker, uh, people sometimes get confused as to the sons of Liberty and who they were and what they stood for and that kind of thing. And yes, there were a lot of Patriots. Yes. They were Liberty loving freedom defending Patriots back then. And they they did not like these excise taxes that were putting uh, that the uh, the king was putting on. Well, it started with the Stamp Act and then it got to the Townsend Act and the Tea Act and everything else. Um, but they were they did not like the fact that they were paying for things and they had no say in Parliament. They had no say 
in who was creating these taxes, who was levying these taxes, how much these taxes were going to be. And they especially did not like the fact that they didn't get any representation. Thus, the Sons of Liberty was formed and they they their phraseology or their motto was no taxation without representation, which is still a motto being used today by mostly the citizens of the of uh, the District of Columbia, because, you know, they get taxed and they don't really have they don't really have any representation. But, hey, that's what they get for living in the nation's capital. Live somewhere. We'll live in one of the 50 states if you want. That's what I say. Anyway, back to the Sons of Liberty. So they didn't like that they got taxed. They loved uh, they loved America and they 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 wanted to say in its governance. But the king said no. And Parliament said no. You're just a bunch of colonists. You're just a bunch of colonials. You shut up and do what we say. And the tea tax was especially disturbing to them because the colonial tea merchants had to pay taxes. But the ships coming in from the East India Company, which was a British company, the East India Company, uh, if you've ever seen a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, you know all about the East India Company. They would bring in tea from India and, and China and all these other places. And their tea didn't get taxed because it was British tea. The tax was only on the colonials. And that just did not, that didn't sit well at all. That didn't sit well at all with the colonials, especially the Sons of Liberty, who again were kind of rabble rousers. And by rabble rousers, I mean that, yes, you had Sam Adams. Yes, you had some other people, but they were a group of, I mean, really the blue collar workers of the time. Okay. Back then a lot, like most people were blue collar workers, (laughs) you know, back in, back in 1773, there weren't a lot of white collar jobs. You had the odd lawyer. You had the odd accountant. Those, you know, there were some some people like that. Uh, but most people had their own. Most people had their own business of some kind. Tavern tavern owners. A lot of tavern owners were recruited to be members of the Sons of Liberty because, well, tavern owners tend to be tough guys. You know, to run a tavern in 1773, you had to be you had to have a a, a pretty decent sized pair. You also had a great establishment already there as a hiding spot or a meeting place. I mean, think about it. If you are creating, if you are creating a group of individuals who are basically secretly fighting against taxes and the, and the monarchy in a colonial setting where there are British troops all over the place, you're going to need some secret places to hide out and to have your meetings where nobody can find you. And if you have a bunch of taverns and a bunch of tavern owners in your ranks, bada bing, bada boom, you have some instant places to do that. They also would meet in you know, they'd also meet in the middle of the night under what they called the Liberty tree. Uh, the Liberty tree was just a big tree. Probably. I mean, if you, again, I wasn't, I wasn't there, but I will say this. If I had my choice of meeting in a big tree <laughs> in Boston common or a bar, I would pick a bar, you know, seven days out of the week and twice on Sunday. Uh, so anyway, so that's, <laughs> so that's, that's how they got it. And then, you know, the other thing that they did was they, you know, they were familiar with the wharf and the ships because they would go to the wharf and they would get a lot of these dock workers and and midshipmen to be part of their ranks as well. They really wanted folks who did not mind getting in trouble. They didn't mind. Uh, they wanted people who were tough, rough and tumble. And they wanted to make sure that everything, everything that they did was sending a message, if you will, a strong message to uh, the crown. And so on December the 16th, they were fed up. They were totally ticked off with the T-tax. They were totally ticked off with that, the fact that there was no representation. And there were three ships that were harbored, that were uh, docked rather at Griffin's Wharf. And Gri- listen, Griffin's Wharf, where it is today, uh, is not where it was. Like you can go to the Boston Tea Party Museum in Boston and they'll be the first person, people to tell you 
we're not really sure where this thing happened. We're not really sure where the ships were were docked. We have a, a general idea, but there were there were uh, there were three ships: the Beaver, the Dartmouth, and the Eleanor. And the Beaver and the Dartmouth and the Eleanor uh, had 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 these baskets, or they were they're really like um, crates, if you will, uh, of tea. They're probably about twenty four inches on either side, uh, cubed crates filled with tea that had come from China. And there were, like I said, they were they were jam packed. There were three hundred and forty two crates. And think about this: when what people don't realize is when you go into these ships and you want to toss the tea overboard. You know, these these crates were designed to protect the tea inside should they sink. Tea was a very valuable commodity. These folks weren't just going to take a chance that these ships were going to make it safely. They wanted to make sure that they were preserved. And if if a if a ship sank, the tea would float to the top and someone else could go scoop it up because, again, it was a lot of money at stake. So in order to really destroy the tea, which is what the Sons of Liberty wanted to do, because, like I said, they were badasses. Uh, they had to not only get the crates out from the, the, the cargo holds, but they had hatchets and axes and knives and hammers, and they had to smash open all 342 crates and dump the tea into the water, thus ruining it. Because once the tea hits the water, you know, it's, it's pretty much, you can't really use it later. And as a result, the, the Harbor for days was this brown kind of dirty, mossy looking color because 342 cases, like 40,000 pounds of tea or something was dumped in the harbor. Uh, I've heard this fact. I can't guarantee. I, I can't back it up. But I've heard it was in today's economy, the equivalent of $1 million worth of tea. That's what we're talking about here. The equivalent of $1 million worth of cargo was destroyed by the Sons of Liberty, which is why they were so ticked off. You know, it's, 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 it's why they were so it's why they were so ticked off. I mean, think about it. You send a million dollars worth of tea to your to your colonies and they dump it all in the harbor because they're mad about taxes. I mean, you'd be pretty you'd be pretty ticked off, too. And that's why this led to war. Uh, but this was a lot of guys spending a lot of time. In fact, they say it took about three hours. And and if you think about it, too, it's December in Boston Harbor, which is a very chilly spot. And they're dressed as Indians, American Indians. And I'm, I imagine not the warmest clothing that you could you could have in it. And it took them three hours to dump all this tea to smash these crates and dump all this tea in the harbor. Um, in the Boston Tea Party Museum, by the way, if you ever go, they have a vial of water. I don't know. Again, they claim it's a vial of water that somebody s- saved. They they put the tea water in the vial from the morning after, and they still have it today. It's been a family heirloom, and now it's in the museum. They also have one of the crates from the original crates from the East India Company with the markings still on it that they share and they have on display as well. So uh, it's pretty exciting. It's a pretty exciting stop on the tour um, if you ever go. Now, a lot of folks always say, how come these guys didn't get caught? You know, they're on a ship for three hours at, at, in the middle of the night and they're hacking into these crates and they're dumping tea in the water and they're probably drunk. <laughs> I mean, they're probably loud and rowdy. And, you know, you might think, yeah, there should be a, they should all be arrested. There were almost 100 of them. Why didn't they all get thrown in the in the slammer? Why didn't they get beheaded? I mean, it was treason that they were that they were being charged with. Uh, and there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, the ships that. I mean, the ships that protected the harbor, the British ships or the Royal Navy, they didn't protect the ships that were already in the harbor from attacks by the colonials. They didn't think that was going to they didn't think they needed to protect ships that were already docked. If you got to the dock, they thought everything was hunky dory. Those ships were saved. No need to protect them. So the uh, Royal Navy, the Royal Armada, they were out further at the at the entrance to the harbor. And they would sit out there and they would watch for 
any kind of attackers, any kind of pirates, any kind of enemies coming into the harbor from the outside. Their job was to basically look out into uh, from the harbor and protect the city of Boston, not look back to Boston and say, hey, is anyone dumping all our tea in the harbor? That never that wasn't their concern. So if they were even, uh, you know, if they were even standing watch, they were looking the wrong. They were looking the other way. Their backs were to Boston because once the ships reached the shore, they were considered to be safe. Unfortunately, unfortunately, in this instance, they were wrong. Uh, the other thing is it was dark, man. There were no lights. There were no there was no electricity. There was no, you know, spotlights. You're, I mean, it was pitch black dark and you're in the harbor and there's water splashing around the boat. You don't necessarily hear everything. It is uh, you could get away with a lot more back then. You could get away with a lot more back then um, because of because of the darkness and the uh, the lack of uh, illumination, which sometimes I miss. There's things I want to get away with, but there's like, you know, those cameras you walk. They would motion detection cameras. Oh, forget about it. There's no way this would have if they had motion detection uh, cameras or motion detection the detection lights back then. And we we'd probably still be speaking British and drinking tea uh, for that matter instead of coffee. Uh, but anyway, so after this whole thing was over, they dumped the tea in the water and they left the ships and, you know, everyone was everyone went home or they went to the pub. They went to one of the many taverns to to celebrate. In fact, there was one arrest made uh, for the Boston Tea Party. It happened a, a few days later. There was, there was a guy named Francis Akeley and Francis Akeley was the only person ever arrested for the events at the Boston Tea Party. He was arrested by British troops because. Apparently, this is the story. I don't know if this is true. Francis Akeley went to the bar a couple days later, got hammered, and started telling everybody what the Sons of Liberty did. They started tell he started bragging, but you know, you know the guy. You, there's always the one guy, right? You, everyone gets off the ship. They're like, okay, don't tell anybody what we did. Don't tell anybody. Take this to your graves. If we all shut up, if we all deny, if we all keep the secret, they'll never know. No one will get in trouble. Well, Francis Akeley goes and gets hammered starts telling everybody at the pub the tale about how the Sons of Liberty went on the ship and destroyed all the tea. And so they arrested him, but they had to let him go. Because according to colonial British law, you needed two witnesses to a crime. And they didn't have two witnesses to the crime because none of the other Sons of Liberty would fess up to witnessing the crime and didn't nobody else actually witness the crime. So they had to let him go. So they had this guy who admitted was telling everyone at the bar what they did, Francis Akeley, and they had to let him go because their law required two witnesses. Nowadays, they'd have just thrown him in, you know, the J6 committee, the FBI, they'd have taken his cell phone, they'd have thrown him in jail. There's no due process anymore. If you think about it, British colonial law was actually more fair than our current laws today under the Joe Biden administration. But I digress. This is not a political podcast today. This is not a rant against the current administration. This is a historical documentation and celebration of one of the greatest events in American history, the Boston Tea Party. And so now, 250 years later, uh, we have our own country because the anger that King George uh, felt after this and Parliament was enraged, the um, the anger that permeated the colonies, the, the excitement, really, because after this, look, the Sons of Liberty, they were in Boston, they were in New York, word got around, people saw what was happening, they saw that the colonists were upset. The Intolerables Act was the next thing that the Crown levied, well, that was the next thing that they did to um, to really punish the the colonists for the Boston Tea Party. And then that led to the worst events in history, like, you know, the Boston Massacre uh, and then the battles of Lexington and Concord in, in Massachusetts kicked off the war, which, again, a lot of people believe the war was was started in Massachusetts because of the Boston 
Tea Party, which we celebrate the 250th anniversary of today. Now, I also I often mention this as the very first hold my beer moment of the United States of America, because, again, I wasn't there. But I imagine the Sons of Liberty angry about the tea tax. They're sitting in a pub. They're sitting under their tree drinking some ale. Sam Adams, you know, is the I mean, look, when you when the leader of your rebellion is a beer maker, you're going to you're going to I mean, that's probably one of the reasons why he let it there. There used to be um, in, in Belgium. And this is kind of going to in Belgium. The best breweries were located in monasteries and monks were always known to make the best beers. There's still great beers today. Duvel was made in a monastery out of Belgium. Uh, Aflagem is one of the, the best known beers uh, made by monks. And the reason why the monasteries, they say, were the best brewers of beer is A, they were very patient. Uh, and B, you know, someone would join the monastery. They'd go be there for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. They'd, you know, take a vow of silence, vow of celibacy. After a while, they're like, you know, this isn't really... I don't think celibacy is for me. And the monks would be like, come here for a second. Let's, let's have a beer. And they'd pour a beer and they'd talk to the guy and they'd pour another beer. And then the next morning they'd talk the guy into staying because they basically got him drunk and, and uh, convinced him that the, the monk life was the best life for him. Um, and I think that's, that's maybe one of the reasons why Samuel Adams was so successful because he just free beer. I mean, think about that. You get to be a son of Liberty. You get to fight against the crown you get to uh, you get to protect the rights of American colonists and you get free Sam Adams. I mean, it's it's a win, win, win. Um, and I think that may have been why one of the reasons why he was the leader of this of this rebel alliance. But the fact of the matter remains, I believe they were all sitting around the tavern complaining about the tea tax. One of them said, you know what we should do? They got those three ships out there. You know, they got they got look, they're sitting right there in the harbor. They got those three ships. We should go on the beaver. We should go on the Dartmouth. We should go on the Eleanor. We should take all that tea and just dump it in the harbor. And one of them probably stood up and said, hold my beer and headed out. And then the rest of them just followed. You know how these things, you know how dudes are. If one dude does something, the other dude wants to do something. So they all dress up as Indians and the rest is American history. And it's my favorite day in history. I used to have a t-shirt. I used to have a t-shirt which had one of the most American sayings on it. Ever. I may still have it somewhere. I'm going to go home and look at it. And it said, I like my coffee black and my tea in the harbor. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is one of my favorite quotes about American history, about one of my favorite days in American history, which happened 250 years ago today, the Boston Tea Party. 